Hello, and welcome to Boss Talks, a weekly podcast where we chat with the bosses of the multifamily industry. Who are these bosses? They might be a manager of many, a leader with no title, or just passionate about what they do. Join our host, Evan Happel, Director of Marketing at Community Boss, as he talks with this week's guest. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for our 10th episode of Boss Talks. Today, we have a special guest, Nathan LeMessure. He is one of our co-founders here at Community Boss, and we're going to learn all the history and his philosophies, maybe some fun questions in there, too, that he has no idea I'm going to ask. So without further ado, here we go. Hey, Nathan. Thanks, Ev. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I am a little nervous at surprise questions. They'll be kind. They'll be kind. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) They'll be fun. But yes, I'm excited to have you here because there's even things that I don't know about our history as a company that maybe I'll learn today. So one thing that I know is true is you've literally been doing this since high school. Yes, I, I got into programming in high school. I was a big Star Wars fan. I wanted to do a Star Wars website that no one would ever see. Was that is what got me into to engineering? I, I owe it all just I owe it all to the Phantom Menace, which is really painful to say. I don't even know how you and Joel met, but he met you while you were in high school, and you started yeah. with Luminous yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah it was as a, uh, as a senior, I guess. I was just about to graduate. Okay, at that I was a self taught engineer. I'd done some freelance stuff. They were at that time. It was still early ish web. Things hadn't gotten quite so crazy. But yeah, they were doing design and the technical, and I I was happy to start doing this professionally right out of high school. So it was a good it was a good match. Yeah, two thousand one. So, yeah, it's crazy. How did you guys meet? Like, how did that even happen? That he would be like, yeah, I'm gonna take a chance. Uh, high school kid a friend mutual friend a friend of mine knew joel and stefan was the other partner at the time and just and knew them and i think told them hey i know this guy who who's really into this web stuff and i went in i was working pizza and i was of course that's what i was using to fund my what long before anyone was calling it a side hustle but i built this little interactive pole engine cave create poles managed all these poles and so i went into the interview and i'm like i had built this piece of software that i was able to walk them through kind of the back end and front end and show all the different fun configuration things i built for only myself but i think it gave them enough confidence that maybe i would actually know what i was doing <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're still here, so <laughs> true. True. It's been a couple decades later, and so be it. Yeah. 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 And I don't even know whether or not you did or didn't end up going to college. If you didn't, yeah. it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But yeah, <laughs> I, I ended up doing software engineering at University of Washington. Oh, okay. Um, I decided I needed needed the needed the degree. <laughs> needed the degree. Yeah. <laughs> For all the know, good it's done me. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the back end of doing things, building things. Makes sense. I even started using my degree at some point. So that's good. You do learn things. It just maybe weren't the things that you thought you were going to learn going in. It's you do learn more foundational. And for me, it was the first time I'd really done a lot of like high level group projects and maybe actually had to like study some of this stuff for real and not just for fun. Yeah. So you jumped in at 2001. Luminous is what we used to be called. Luminous Creative at the time. Yeah. And it was started in 97, right? Yeah. So it'd been around for a couple of years. Yeah. So when you jumped in, the type of work you were doing 
it it wasn't what we're doing now. What were you doing? <laughs> this was the point at which websites were going from th- basically online brochures to people who actually wanted to have more interactivity, whether that was ad- adding things that their team could update. At that point, you had webmasters, right, who were do- responsible for updating sites and keeping them up to date technologically. And so if you're a marketing department at that point, that's when you're starting, like, hey, we want to start doing this stuff ourselves. And there's there was not a lot of tooling for that. So we were making websites with dynamic pieces. But the summer after I, I joined, we won a project to, to rebuild the site of a, of a fairly large medical system at that point. And they wanted to update everything. So really, it was as much a web design project as, or as much that as it was, we had to build some software to manage this. There was no WordPress. There were there were some things, but it was a custom. There's an entire custom backend to update anything in your website. It was nuts. But we've been building those, it, you know, jump straight into software systems. We've been building that ever since in some form or another. Right. Now, just for ourselves. <laughs> But now just for ourselves. Yeah. Now we get to do this the way we always wanted to do it. And we get to build a product that we then get to support customers with. And you, so what you guys were building was pre what Squarespace and stuff like that. Didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. So you were just doing something Mm -hmm. similar. just wasn't necessarily a big market yet or whatever it was. Yeah. We spent about 10 years, the years between kind of 2000 and 2010, we spent those years building like what Squarespace is now, where systems designed to to build and manage websites. And we built a couple of versions of that. And as we got towards the later side of that, we were, without knowing it at the point, that time, we were actually competing with Squarespace. Um, mm. But we were beginning to move in. Cloud was becoming a thing. And the way that we build software now, when we started, it was you, here's a bunch of software, either go find a host for it, or you have your own data center, you have your own infrastructure where you install these things. And so at that point in the late 2000s, the cloud is starting to, everything's starting to move that direction. So we took our, the software that we were building and we put it on, on those systems and started to get into the cloud. Like what happens if you had 10,000 customers, not just this one website, what happens if you've got all these things? So we started to think more scalably and more inadvertently into some of the things that we would need when we started parking bus, community bus. Right. So fast forward to 2011-ish. Yeah. Probably even a little before that. You ended up, you're now married, right? At this point. Yeah. And you guys bought a condo and you made the big decision to join the board for the good or the bad. (laughs) And in some degree, I guess it was for the good, but. It it had its moments. It had its moments. No, yeah. So we're still doing, we're still doing this stuff. I I got married. We bought a condo in just north of Seattle. I, for whatever reason, I'm the kind of person who like, oh, I could probably do this. I'd probably do as good of a job as some of the other things I'm seeing going on. And so I, I did not mean to, but I ran for the board, was got elected. Probably, I don't know why anyone decided I was, I'd been there maybe a year, didn't know that many people, but it's like, okay, let's take a chance on this guy. Got on the board. That was an interesting experience coming from being part of running a small business into running a volunteer business, which is what condo yeah. boards are. Yeah. Uh, that was eye-opening from the, hey, I can see where some of the things that I do on a day-to-day basis are helpful here, but also I have an appreciation for the people who volunteer because you're coming from all kinds of backgrounds and you may or may not be prepared for running a multi-million dollar budget, which is just so different than you're used to running in your own life. So there was some interesting challenges that way, but I really got to see how it worked, where the sit on both sides of, I am a resident. I can see this from the resident side, but also now I'm on the management side. I can see, oh, here's all of our constraints and here's where our challenges are. And parking was a, just a huge challenge. It was a, an apartment community that had been converted into condos. And we've got not enough spaces when they built it. 
people had fewer cars. And so we've got more people in cars than we've got room for them. And that creates all kinds of friction. If you've got your two spaces like we did, we were set. But if you've got two people in one one space, people were parking in guest parking, people were parking up and down the streets in the neighborhood, just a lot of side effects that then other people were complaining about. And then you've got this whole kind of mess. At the first, we were just like, we feel really disempowered. Like we, we hear the problems, we experience the problems, but we don't feel like we have any real power to solve them. In our mind, that looked like getting a pen and paper, going out in the parking lot and just sitting there all day long, tracking everybody coming and going. It was A, you can't do it. And B, like... Who wants to be that person? Who wants right. to be, oh, there's Joe. He's writing down the license plates again. He's out there. Your guest overstays. At that point, we had been looking for what kind of product could we build. And one night as a for board meeting, I called Joel and I was like, I think there's something here. Like there's a real problem. And I think we see a path to maybe solving this. Here's yeah. what we know. Yeah. And you guys, little by little, on the margins of everything else, because you were still doing other work. Yeah, you guys started building this thing called Parking Boss. Yeah, and was that even originally what it was called, or is that no? It was called Guest Parking Permits. Guest Parking Permits. It Straightforward. What, does what it says on the tin. That that? Was the, that was, yeah. So we, we built this early prototype. I took it to a board meeting. Hey guys, let's, can we give this a shot? And for some reason, they said yes. There actually wasn't as much pushback as I expected. I expected mm-hmm. to have a debate about this, but I guess I. Had a, thought of enough of the things. This is, took a couple months. I remember working on this in one of our, we took a vacation to New York City from Seattle and I'm spending a little bit of time in the coffee shop in the day working on this. And I'm like, well, I'm still on vacation. Um, <laughs> but we got it out there and it worked. It did what it needed to do. And the idea was that like the core idea was we have these rules. In our case, we gave everybody 24 hours of guest parking time to any vehicle. One vehicle could park for 24 hours in a guest space in any seven day period. So if you parked for 24 hours, you had to wait seven days before you could come. And it was actually a challenging rule to to enforce. It wasn't just like Sunday to Sunday, it was any seven day period. So the core insight was if it's too much work to be out there and monitor everyone proactively, maybe we can make them tell us when they're going to be there. So mm. the idea was you basically have a form where you put in your license plate, you put in when you're going to park. It wasn't even the unit you were visiting at that point. And you get a permit for that amount of time and you print it off. As, this is early smart. The smartphone adoption is still in its early takeoff period. You print off this permit, you put it on your car. And then occasionally we'd go around and we just make sure everyone had those. We did an early version of our sign. We did some things there. Um, but it worked. It went from being something that we had to proactively monitor into something that we could sporadically audit. And Mm. we realized very quickly that this becomes self-reinforcing because as you can just simply audit check and you're depending on people to tell you what they're doing, but you also have a mechanism to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. It becomes a sort of self-reinforcing habit. And it was very effective. I think in retrospect, surprising as much as it worked as it did, but I think also the core insights and what we took going into it were correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was what 2011 till about 2016 that you continued to evolve, get a few customers Mm -hmm. still again, doing more of the other work. But then in 2016, you guys pulled the trigger, made the decision like this is it. This is what we're doing. It had been a pretty slow progression. I think we got our first customer a couple months after we launched the prototype. Someone was willing to pay us a little bit of money a month to use this thing. They're still Mm -hmm. a customer today, 10 years later. 
Yeah, uh, it's crazy. Then we took out some Google ads and said, hey, here's our thing. Do our thing. And we took all the feedback we could get. We went off a couple a couple different rabbit trails into some areas that we thought maybe would be, okay, that seems interesting. We're getting feedback. Here's what we need. That's Maybe there's a market there. Oh, okay, there's not really a market there. It slowly grew. We got our first multifamily customer. We realized that we were missing a big part of the product. The resident side was huge. Like we couldn't just sell guest parking. We had to do we had to do more. So we built that out. And yeah, we started in 2015, we started hiring, getting to hire some people. And by about 2016, 17, we're like, this has now grown to the point where we can make this our, no, it's not our side hustle anymore. It's our full hustle. We still at that point had some customer relationships that we could never been comfortable just being like, bah! it took a while for those to naturally work themselves, work themselves out. It's obviously continued to evolve and the idea of taking feedback hasn't changed. Like we continue to, <laughs> and we get so much feedback. It's awesome. Yeah. And we do our best. We can't do everything necessarily, but we do our absolute best to accommodate the environments we mostly play in. And that's still the residential world. So yeah. HOA, condos and apartments are a place where we focus and student housing. We, we really think that there's a certain kind of challenge. I was going to say problem, but really challenge that happens when you when people live in a place. They're very different, I think from the challenges that happen when people are just working in a place or going and shopping in a place. And there are part, there's things in those environments that, you know, airport parking or college parking or retail parking, there's things about those that are, I think in some ways, I wouldn't say easier, but the challenges are more straightforward. The moment you put people living together, and especially the more people that you put living together, even some of our small HOA communities have some surprising challenges. But when you put people together in that, context, it creates, there's a level of both familiarity and competition that mm. happen. And I think we've found that the challenges in residential are something that we seem to be pretty, pretty adept and pretty interested in solving. Right. And you can only tackle so many things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's our goal to being literally being that this was built bootstrapped, not taking mm -hmm. in a bunch yeah. of funding. Yeah. Like we aren't, we are unique in that regard to a lot of prop tech companies where many of them are taking in funding. They have a timeline. Yeah. We got to build you. this thing, get adoption, yep. Yep. or we die. Yeah. And we've been fortunate to build something that people want yeah. to be profitable and to be healthy yep. and to build at a rate that we can build something we're proud of. Yeah. And I know that's really important to both you and Joel. Yeah, I think having seen the, I'm a software guy, so I watched the landscape of this stuff. And I think there were a number of years in there where it felt like the narrative is if you don't take a bunch of money, you're not successful. But like getting, mm -hmm. going out and doing a big raise and $10 million or whatever the number is, that was the metric of success. And the irony now that we're seeing is, is for the last six months to a year or so is that's also a really big weakness where yeah. for the reasons that you said, like when you take money, you're selling a vision. And you're depending on that vision being right. You're depending on mm -hmm. executing that vision. You're depending on to the extent that you're wrong, that you can move that quickly. In most cases, you're spending that money to hire people, which means that as you spend that money, you're also growing your team, which is good. But it also means that it's harder to pivot. We've, we came up in a, by accident, I can't take too, we can't take too much credit for it, but we just, we never aggressively tried to fundraise. We just said, we're going to build this at the pace we're able to build it probably because we were we had another another business that we were doing but that kind of slow steady measured growth has served us really well allowed us to in some ways it's, it's slower we can't do we can't go hire 50 engineers and you know do it 
But it also means that we've had to be very conscious of the choices that we make and do the things that make the most sense and really ground ourselves in how well we think our vision is working. And we get constant feedback on that in a way that I think sometimes you don't. And I think it's also somewhat unique, especially in the world we play in. We're in parking, but we also are now doing some other things. Well, we'll get to, but I think a lot of our competing companies when it comes to parking they tended to see the opportunity, but they weren't a builder of the software. So they tended yeah. to hire somebody else to do it, Excuse where me. we literally are constantly getting feedback and making the fix yeah. because yeah. we can. Yeah. Yeah. This is our baby in every sense of the word. It's our ability to take in the feedback. It's our ability to synthesize that feedback into, okay, here's where we see the needs here, where we see things going. And then we're also the ones that get to implement that you know, ourselves and put that out there ourselves. And it creates a very tight feedback loop between what you think is needed and is happening and your ability to execute and deliver that. And my favorite thing to do is to have something pop up as, okay, it's very clear why this is needed. And then, you know, some things fit better in in different parts of the roadmap. But my favorite thing is just, oh, boom, we can ship that. We can solve that. That's done and out and you make, it's delightful to somebody, like whether that's our internal team working with our customers or the customer themselves, boom, you guys did that. How did you do that so fast? And sometimes there are things that take longer, but those are, you take them both. Yeah. And just like we incrementally grow to our team too. We do have help and we even have started to grow our engineering internal Mm -hmm. team, which is great. And that's only going to benefit our customers even more. It's exciting to be in a company that, you know, is growing, we're healthy, and we can try things. If they fail, oh, we'll move on and do something else. <laughs> <laughs> Done it, we'll do it again. We try to ship things early, see if they work. Yeah. Yeah. But here recently, COVID, for all its negatives, obviously, for us as a company, it brought about some really quick decisions to be made that helped us to see ourselves beyond parking. Yeah. Can you explain how that all took place for us? I think at the beginning of COVID, I think like most people, it was no difference. What is happening? What did, I still remember the last social thing I did before everything blew up. Yeah. But I think like most people were like, this is a disaster. Absolute disaster. Everything's going to break so much stuff. And it did break a lot of things. I think for different industries, it's been really challenging. I think one of the things we underappreciated though, was that because we serve residential is where everybody was. It's the one place it's true. literally it was stay at home. <laughs> I think that took a little bit to sink in. Oh, wait a minute. Like, first of all, like, how can we serve our customers? Like, okay, everyone's now stuck at home, which our customers are the home, the home places. Mm-hmm. And how can we serve to solve those problems even faster? But then just, okay, the demand for what we do, the need for the things that we solve is not going away. If you were a shopping mall, things were different or in other kinds of places, things were, that was much more of a challenge. And we're still seeing some of the effects of that, but it, it, did very much illustrate the centrality of where you live and our part in that. And then really where that played out is as, as things began to slowly, everyone had their reopening, reopening plans across the country. Like we're going to get back to work and get back to these things. It was Joel's turn to call me. He called me one night and was like, Hey, we've got all these kind of looking at all this stuff. We've got all these customers who were, everyone's in the position of reopening their gyms and their pools and their amenities. The technology that we've built to to manage and solve these parking issues relate to these other kinds of spaces. And took a look at it and we're like, it does. Like, this makes sense. Like, we have the technology. And some of that was really interesting because some of that, those pieces that we had in place were there 
not because we really needed them at the time. They were there because just we saw where things were probably, we saw the areas of flexibility that we wanted to have down the road. And so we started building this idea of having these different policies that could manage these different groups of things. And that was something that we kind of gradually had been adding over the previous year. And it's immediately like, oh, we could apply that system to amenities. So we spent, I think it was April through May of 2020, just head down, nose to the grindstone, long days, building and launching what we were we called Amenity Bot. We, even though we had a ton of foundational technology, and I'm really proud of that, we had a ton of work to do in terms of the experience was totally different. Like what you're going to do to book a gym or be a part of a gym and say limit a gym to maybe five people an hour. That's a totally different experience than just making sure people are playing fair with parking spaces. Yeah. So we built, we really got to a crash course in taking all of the stuff that we had done over the last eight, nine years and say, if we were doing this from scratch really fast, what would we do differently? And how can we like, go. But we did that. And we leaped forward in terms of some of what we were capable of doing and the ways that we were on building things. And so in May and June, we launched Amenity Boss and it was the perfect product for the perfect time. Yeah. It was just exactly what was needed. And but it was also bonkers, right? <laughs> it was nuts. It was absolutely, I still have a little bit of, I don't have nightmares about it, but man, it was wild. It was invigorating, but it was exhausting just because I think we doubled the size of our customer base just from yeah. this one, one product. And we had been growing, we had been scaling in before right. that. And then all of a sudden you literally double, I would say functionally overnight. And man, you learn stuff that breaks and you <laughs> learn the, oh, we were not ready for that. Even things like invoicing, right? Like when you've accumulated some number of recurring invoices that you just have all set up, and then literally you have double the number of invoices that you, you have to set all that stuff up. And that stuff to that point had been fairly manual. Our ops team does a great job of that. But man, those are some rough days. It was a good well, we, problem. We realized we can't do that no more. No, even the way that we had been launching customers, we, right. and we still do this. We have a fairly hands-on process. It's what most people need, most people want. These are complicated problems. So we really help our new sites launch. And that's the mentality we took into it. We'll set this all up for you. We'll do all this stuff. And then we're just like, no, we got to build you an admin. You got to do this yourself. Otherwise you'll just never get, we'll never get you off the ground. And it mostly worked. We had to strip down some of the options. We had to make things a little bit more inflexible. Even if the system supported it, we couldn't give you all the dials to turn. But the number of people who set up their own amenities is, was awesome. It was really yeah. cool. And then I came, I missed the tidal wave. You're, it's, it's, which... for, it's, it's for the best. It's, <laughs> I don't recommend it. If you can avoid it, then... It's not a bad problem in many ways, but I felt so bad. Even we were all working really hard and I felt really right. bad that it was just as chaotic as it was. And like, but it was motivating. Let's build this. Let's make this stuff better just to take the burden off of our own team. Yeah. Let's well, solve and this then, just so you guys can sleep. And we solved a problem during a time. And then we've yeah. since decided this is still very useful, but in a different yeah. context, really more yeah. for a reservation standpoint, lose, using your different amenities and yeah. having confidence you can use it versus trying to limit who can use it. It's, that's the yeah. difference, right? Like now we just are trying to give confidence to people. And even mm -hmm. we've implemented payments for amenities and mm -hmm. parking. Yep. So yep. that's also been something that people have been very interested in, which has been cool yeah. to, to see that. Yep. But the cool thing and really the reason for the change of name to community is the introduction of the mapping piece. And so yeah. we have... Third. We had map in the mm -hmm. background as a part of parking, 
but it wasn't really seen by a resident at that point. It was more of yeah. a tool for managing the parking. Yeah. So now having the mapping, we're like, wait, we could just make this something seen by everybody. <laughs> oh, and this brings it all together. It makes sense. Yeah, it was one of those things where parking and mapping are pretty natural fits. You're managing something that's literally spatial and it's oftentimes can get for lack of a better word, big. There's a lot of it. And again, this goes back to our customers. One of the amazing things about doing this is we have enough and a diversity of customers where we get all kinds of needs and we get varying you know, different types of personalities. And we've been fortunate to have people who are just like, I will tell you what I need. And like that as someone who builds things is an amazing thing to have. It's sometimes frustrating, but it's an amazing thing to have. Amazing to have. And we had a fairly large apartment community that was one of our customers or looking to be one of our customers say we've got this giant map on the office wall like huge like physical map and they would like sharpie or dry erase in like how things were assigned like, they would just do it physically and it's like, this would be really awesome if this was just digital mm -hmm. and we like, no that makes total sense let's see what we can do here and we, we took a crack at it we built a thing and we i think we ended up with having a, sort of a cluster of customers on that re, a first version of our map okay you can really see the value in this yeah and just before covid we'd begun to rebuild that but once we saw that first version work okay that works i bet we could do this better and we happened to do some research on kind of inside interior mapping and see some of the technologies that were being used and we decided to basically gut it and start from scratch and build it on a new open data framework. There's a bunch of standards about how mapping is done in the world that kind of everybody uses now. And we're like, that could work for us. So let's re retool everything that we're doing and build it on that. There's a ton of work and there wasn't necessarily like a, a clear like goal, except we knew that it was better. And we just had that sense of if we do this the way we think it should be done, it will pay off. And as we, we still were doing parking, but that technology opened in that kind of switch and that reworking the guts of that thing opened the door for us to be able to build whatever level of detail we want. And yeah. we scaled again, we scaled into that. Like we, we started out doing maps that were pretty basic and they, they did the parking, but then we began to add more detail and begin to capture more things. And the system was such that we could put any, anything that exists in the property, whether it's inside or outside, it's mappable now. It just mm -hmm. needs to be placed in there. And we have an amazing team for that. And, and that just, once that, once that you can, then you can see where that can go. And you start to put all these pieces together and you can go, oh, wow, these things are all naturally complementary, And they have so much runway to go down that, yeah, let's, this is not just a parking product. This is not just a mapping product. This is a product for communities. This is for, this is taking the, the places that people interact inside these communities and then you know everything from the physical structure of it to the mapping it out and understanding where how the, the community is oriented and its software like in software and then our policy and metering engines to say okay this is how people can use space so here's where space is here's how that space is used and yeah. then now as we begin to integrate access control here's how you get access to that space and we created this nice circle that encompasses all the use here and it really is a community product, not just a parking product or an amenity product or one of these kind of individual things. And boy, has it come a long way since 2001 <laughs> or 11, I yes, should say. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. It's a lot it's more amazing. complicated, that's for sure.
but it is something to be proud of and it's something very useful to the communities that we serve. So we're excited to bring it to market for people, for sure. Yeah, and we have a really long vision. As much as we've done, we've only scratched the surface, I think, of where these pieces are going. The list of ideas that we have, and some of them will happen sooner, some will happen later. Right. Um, but we have this really awesome foundation, and it's a really good today. But where we know it's going is really exciting. It's, it's fun. Up every morning. And it's been fun to start seeing us have partnerships and integrations with mm -hmm. those different yeah. access point companies. Yeah. And we're working towards other integrations as well, yeah. all with the goal of serving the customer better. But it's cool to see it all happen. And it's fun that you get to be the R&D department as well, basically, and have things <laughs> set up at your house. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like a lot of companies, as you have, and like we've gone fully remote. We're a fully remote right. team now. We were already headed that direction pre-COVID. We had I was in New York, we had people in California and Florida and all over the place, but now we're fully remote. So anything that we do from testing things, it's not like we don't have a lab somewhere. It's like, it sits at my dining table and it's just fun. It's, there's something yeah. to that that I think is, is special. Or if you have a studio, it's in your garage, whatever. Or if you, <laughs> I have the luxury of seeing the behind the scenes pictures of, I am basically got, here's the bus talk studio. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why we buy things that are shiny. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great though. It's fun. So there is a question, a pressing question. A few people have asked it. Yeah. Who came up with Parking Boss as a name? Oh shoot. How did that was a joint that was a joint effort. We knew the name needed to change. Guest parking permits was not, it's not, not the name that we wanted. <laughs> Again, it did it, it did what it said on the tin, right. but we knew we needed a better name. I I don't remember how the boss part happened. The parking part, of course, I think is that one makes sense. Joel and I work really closely together. We were in the same office at that point. I just like, what? Like, we're just brainstorming stuff. So parking, what can we do around parking that sort of captures the spirit of what people are, you're managing it, you're controlling it, you're doing all of these things. Our, one of our previous products that we've worked on was called Orchestrate. So this idea of orchestration and the, and so I think boss came out of that. It captured the control part that captured the sort of like a boss. And then you put that with parking and then you got it. I don't re actually remember the moment where it's, let's try that one. But I remember just trying to figure it out. And it, it's one of the ones that popped up and we we're able to get the, the domain for that and, and, and we had to buy it from somebody, but uh, yeah. let's go with this one. Yeah. If I'm going to err on the side of, my guess is it was probably Joel that had the original, probably the one day to come up with the name, but it was, we were definitely kind of working on that as a team. Yeah. And the way the company started and yours and Joel's starting point as a company to where mm -hmm. we are plays into our ability also to be creative in other respects, yeah. which has yeah. been a really fun thing to be a part of because we can try things and even our own website, we can do a lot with. We just yeah. do it ourselves. Yeah. We got some talented people. You and Joel yeah. are both very talented yourselves. So it's great to, to be a part of that for sure. We have a talented team. We were, yeah. when we did some of the change, the last sort of manage like a boss and really owning that idea and working through that idea, it, we were kind of like, what do we got to do to execute some of these things? And we were looking at some outside artists and things, but then it came down to, let's try this ourselves. Yeah. So shout out to Leo on our team. We were like, let's just give the, I think I can do this. And we did it. And it like, that was the absolute best way to go. That's nothing, nothing against hiring experts to come in and do things when they're a good fit. But man, there's something about being able to do it on your own team because you can execute at the speed and just with, you can shorten the cycles. And, and we know, you know, and we understand the product and we understand our customer yeah. and 
other people don't. <laughs> nope. Right away. Yeah. That's it right there. That's it. Or nope, that's it. That's not it. It's a super. It's great. Yeah. And there's, I don't know if you're seeing it, but there's some comments that they're on Facebook and other places right now, but just people giving kudos to amenity pass that they've really appreciated it. And also just that they really truly think that we're helpful. Thank you for those comments. We really do appreciate yeah. that feedback. And it's, it's always great to hear that what we're doing is something that you guys appreciate for sure. As a software person, I spend most of my day up to my neck in computer, like machine things, right? Like much less people things. I'm so proud of our team. I see the work and the blood, sweat and tears of really the like absolute heart of helping people. It's the best it's for all the awesome things that you can do in software there is nothing better than how you can just help take care of people and the, our team the people on our team that do that just absolutely rock it it's such a privilege everybody is doing a great job it's it is great to be a part of that all right obviously there's more things coming i don't know if there's a lot you want to like share before it's even here but i'll give you the opportunity if you want to you mentioned we're continuing to build out the integration side maybe just a tiny bit on how we think about it. Or we know everyone's using tools to manage the relationship with the residents. We're actively integrating with all of those. What that enables for us is enable us enables us to build experiences based on the knowledge of who's in the community. We can and do operate in community where we don't have that knowledge. And there's limitations to what that allows us to do. But once we get those sort of like deep connections, we're building pretty deep connections with the property management systems, part of why it's taking us a while. Uh, but once we have that level of insight into what's happening in the community, we're able to leverage that information and provide better experiences on our side. And then alternatively, we're integrating on the relationship side, the resident side, the who's here mm. and when are they there. And then on the other side, we're really integrating into the physical side. Because as we look at it, what we do as community boss is we merge the physical and the real world, real physical world with software, like whether that's parking or your amenities or even this, you know, the mapping software and pulling all these things together. We really sit in the middle of that and that's people and places. And so we are on the flip side, we're also integrating really aggressively on the access control side of how do we tie all those pieces together. But then get into things like interesting areas like sensors and right. other kinds of physical things we still, we're not, it's not there yet. One of our customers several years ago told me that she was really looking forward to when they could land the drone on the top of their apartment building and then fly around and do the parking enforcement. That's still a little ways out. We're not quite there, but it'd be awesome. So yeah, so people and so integrating with people and integrating with the world. And I think we occupy a, a, such an interesting place in between those that like those really make everything better on the whole. And I think the box was opened with Amenity Boss. Yeah. It just opened our mind up. Oh, wow. There's so much more here that we can do. There was a point, there was a point there where we had to make a decision of, are we going to stay just parking? Because that's what mm -hmm. we were doing. And as we started to get into the edges, you start to, when you do, I think when you have the opportunity to do something and you do it well, that opens up opportunities around the edges of that. We started mm -hmm. to see those opportunities open up around the edges and we have to make a decision at that point. Do you stay focused on what you're doing or do you begin to say, say no to everything? Or then are there places where you start to say yes? And the amenity side was one where we started to say yes. And then we've seen some things on the, the mapping side and the, the functionality and features that we're building with that where we were like, we're going to say yes. There's been some things in there we've seen that we've now, someone else is probably can do a better job of that. We should say no. But we had to make that decision of do we stay parking or do we do we 
to expand the horizon a little bit. And we chose to expand the horizon. And that's where community bosses, you know, we went from parking boss to community boss because that, that horizon is bigger now. doesn't mean that we'll do everything. doesn't mean we're probably not going to launch our own line of community boss locks anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, don't think that's in the cards. There's really good partners for that. Awesome people who we can work with that do just such a slam dunk job. Yeah. But it does open, the, it does mean that we're going to do some things that maybe traditionally we wouldn't have done because it fits with our mission. Our mission is not parking. Our mission is helping communities manage shared spaces in a smart and automated and, pr- and modern way. We could get really sidetracked if we wanted to. <laughs> yes, we could. Yes. <laughs> there are many rabbit trails. They're all over the place. <laughs> There's so many interesting things to do. Squirrel. <laughs> 100%. I really appreciate all your answers. And I have three questions. These are the random ones. Don't worry. They're fun. <laughs> and I know... If you're not getting to the answer I want, I'll guide you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> so something fun that I've learned about you is that you have a lot of your own interests outside of work, obviously. Uh, and you've not super recently, but re- had moved to New York where it tends to get cold and things freeze, such as water. Mm-hmm. And... So you, I don't know if this was a conscious decision, but you actually started something where it was a way of building community and getting to know people in your community. Yeah. Do you want to share about that? In fairness, I can't take credit for starting it. Okay. I was, I'm one of the people, one of my, one of my neighbors, a good friend of mine, who actually I knew before we moved here, I was one of the nice things about moving where we live. Nice. A good friend, literally around the corner. His wife's from Canada, and so he's got some background in watching curling. Our water freezes here. Uh, unlike Seattle, that it's a thing that happens enough where you can yeah. walk on it and drive on it, actually. So a couple of years ago, we, wanted to, we took a crack at pond curling, and I'd never done it. I'd actually, I knew what it was. I'd seen a little bit, but it was like, okay, this is mostly a fun thing to do with people. But this last year was our second year, and man, we had a plan coming in. We spent last summer... We knew what we were going to do, and we stepped it up big time. Large batteries and pumps may have been involved, and that might have been my doing. <laughs> so as it worked out, so last year, my friend was the kind of the, the architect of the whole thing, and I was the engineer. So we, yeah, we had, I think, about five or six weekends of pond curling. We, we, had, we put together a legit, legit, it's called court, I can't remember now. We had some legit curling. I suck at curling, as it turns out. I'm really bad at it. Almost everyone else has gotten pretty good. I am not great. I, but I do the community part of it fantastic and just there's some interesting engineering challenges and i know more about electricity and but really the community part is we've spent so much first year was covid like it was the highlight of everybody's winter 2020 is outside you do that everyone had so much fun and it's just something that we've got to keep going yeah that's awesome year three this year yeah and that's so fun and you guys ended up in the newspaper locally the local paper and yeah yeah i live in a town people local yeah i'm I'm like my orange parka in one of the pictures it's awesome <laughs> all right and then i know you're a foodie so what's your favorite food to feed a guest if you're gonna make something for somebody else i'm a sucker for making pasta what um, kind of if, pasta uh i like creamy tomato sauces so that's my go-to there for anyone out there that does not know about this although i think it's more well known now there's a the podcast Sporkful came out with um, Cascatelli, which was a new shape of pasta. Like you can get it at Trader Joe's now. It's phenomenal pasta. The shape is awesome. Really good for sauce. 
think um, I've had that. I think I've had that. It's yeah. I might own too much of it in my basement. <laughs> Taking me a while to go through all of it. But I'm a Bulganese. I'm a Bulganese fan. So something in that like hearty, richer, creamier kind of pasta. Okay. Okay. I love pasta. And then being that we are based in Seattle, we have a crew that pretty much all has some basis of coffee history. Even I do. What's your favorite coffee blend or drink? Whichever you want to choose. I'm a latte person, but now I'm, yeah, I, I like a good latte. I still, I milk and coffee for me go really well together. If I'm out, I'll generally order a vanilla latte. It depends on what they've got, but that's my go-to. At home, it's almost always local maple, local, I'll make them with local maple syrup because we have amazing maple syrup here. One of my favorite upstate New York things. And my COVID hobby was getting an espresso machine and making espresso. Yeah. And you did buy a coffee machine for the office in Seattle because you you were appalled by what we were using here. <laughs> it was it wasn't it a Keurig and you were like, no, that's not gonna do it. No, we've so we've the office we've almost for a really long time we've always had an espresso machine. Espresso yeah. I think is a makes a great for a no fuss espresso system is pretty, pretty good. I used to have one at home and then, you know, for my COVID thing, I was like, I'm going to buy an entry espresso machine. I'm going to see if I can do this. Because I really wanted to buy lo- I wanted to buy beans from some of the local roasters and yeah. maybe not a giant multinational coffee company. But yeah, it may have been a dangerous hobby to pick up. <laughs> coffee all the time. <laughs> all the time. All parts of the day. <laughs> more, more just, man, there's places I can't go drink coffee anymore because I can make it better at oh. home. And my wife, is she's really broken now because it's the same sort of thing and just, can you please make me some coffee? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. 10 o'clock. Where's well, my coffee? thank you for joining me today, first of all. And thanks for having me. Episode 10, we've made it this far. The evolution of Boss Talks has come a ways. We went from Instagram <laughs> to live on three different platforms. So this is becoming bigger than I anticipated, but it's been fun. And I really do appreciate you joining me, Nathan. And for anybody else thanks out there that. This wants to join me for a conversation like this i'd love to have you boss talks is all about bringing people onto this platform to give them an opportunity to have a voice to share how they're a boss and not like they boss people around like how they're awesome how they're doing something really well being a good leader being great on their property being a great maintenance person whatever it is I would love to talk to you. So again, thanks for watching. And this one went a little long, but I think it's worth it. And it's special because it was 10. Again, thank you, Nathan. And I'll check you guys next Wednesday. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Boss Talks podcast. If you would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out via email at info at communityboss.com. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to like, share, and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also watch the podcast live every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Community Boss LinkedIn or Facebook pages. Until next time, manage like a boss.